I think where we can get into trouble is over identifying with our position and projecting how it's going to go in advance and then living that experience because it's so positional in your mind, for example. Like, I know I'm going to hate this. I know I'm going to hate this. That's not how I feel ever. I'm just using it as an example. If I'm entering a situation with that kind of mindset, then I'm probably not going to have a very good time. But if I open into, wow, there might be things that I don't know can happen there. And you and I have had to do some work with me prior to some events to be like, what are the opportunities at this social event that might be actually really interesting and fun? Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Art of We podcast. This is episode number 71. Today, we're going to explore the challenges and opportunities in a long-term partnership where one person identifies more with the extrovert archetype and the other one feels more like an introvert. So this is a good one. I think probably a lot of couples can relate to this dynamic and seems like a good idea to start out with describing what we're talking about in this conversation by these labels. Do you want to kick us off? Sure. So I identify primarily as an introvert. (laughs) No surprise to you, Will. And it's pretty typical. Like the ways that I notice myself being an introvert is that I can only tolerate being present in social circumstances for an X amount of time. And other than that, I really don't get filled up by doing somebody's big celebration dinner and then going to a big concert afterwards and then going to somebody's house party afterwards. Like (laughs) I'm already done during the middle of dinner kind of thing. And I really need a lot of alone time to contact myself, to know myself, to be able to share more of myself. Another component for me is that I'm a slow processor, (laughs) meaning I need to really process what's happening for me and go inward and process that before I can have a lot to share to somebody about how my day was, for example, or some big opinion about some big idea. Like I need to actually internally reflect before I process versus processing externally, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And of course, it fits hand in glove with my style of being social in a more extroverted kind of classic way of getting filled up by interpersonal interactions. And I remember when we met, I had, I still have a bunch of different circles of friends, but one of these circles liked to start hanging out on, say, a Friday or a Saturday night and then go into the night all night, into the next morning, into the next afternoon. (laughs) 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 And even that for me was a stretch, but I think it was just pretty extreme. So I would say that for me, there's a feeling of going until the desire to keep going is finished and then I'm finished. 
And mm-hmm. I don't know when that's going to happen, but it seems like it takes longer for me to get there than it does you. Exactly. And I would also say that you don't have any need to take some time to process your thinking. Like I think that you speaking while you're speaking, you're processing it versus processing it alone. So I think it really helps you to be processing stuff with other people. For example, how else does being an extrovert or identifying as an extrovert show up for you? Well, one way that it shows up that I've been thinking about lately is how there's a way that I can overfocus on the desire to hang out with and get to know people and, and be known by people and not see the beauty and the opportunity to deeply connect with myself, mm-hmm. just me. And whenever I choose to do that, it's always really rich and wonderful, but I don't think first to do that. I would think first to fill up my calendar with social experiences. Often when Will goes out of town, I'll block out that whole time to do some sort of internal retreat (laughs) style, (laughs) which I really want and need for many reasons, not just to fill my own personal cup, but then there's projects I want to work on, there's visions I want to create, all the things. And then when I go out of town, I think part of you has like, oh yeah, here's an opportunity for me to do some of that. But then all of a sudden we're talking and like, so what are you going to be doing while I'm gone? And you're like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And we're like, oh yeah, right. This is how we do things very differently. Yeah. Before I met you, I, just to give our listener a sense of it, I'm probably pretty far down the extrovert spectrum, I think, because I had a habit of when I was at work, I would go and have lunch with someone, usually a professional colleague to further develop referral networks and so on. And then I would go and have a happy hour experience with somebody and then I would go and have dinner with someone else. And so I would, <laughs> and I remember on a number of occasions, accidentally booking lunch with two different people on the same day. And I would keep the, I would make it work somehow where I would go and meet one person for lunch and then have lunch with someone else after that. <laughs> that is amazing. For me, I'm like maybe one social thing a day. <laughs> so I've dialed it back quite a bit. And not because I'm trying to comply with some new rules here with you, but I've learned that uh, there's wisdom in digesting my experience before going and putting another social meal in my mouth, so to speak. Right. And tell me what you think about this, but extrovert tendencies of going to one thing, to another thing, to another thing has its benefits, but it also potentially could be running from feeling stuff or processing stuff like you're saying. And introvert tendencies could be a similar, yes, it might fill me up, but I also might be avoiding certain discomforts or challenges or stretching myself in certain ways. So it's like, are we hiding out in our introvert, extrovert identifications, or are we balancing it out in a way that actually feels like we're honoring it, but also stretching ourselves where we want to grow? Absolutely. There's wisdom in both styles and there's ways to hide out in both styles. So... I appreciate the openness that we both have to discovering what we might be missing outside of our tendencies. Yes. So this podcast episode, we want to talk about challenges that we've had and opportunities. I made a little list here of challenges that we've had. (laughs) Oh, great. Why don't you uh, get the party started here? Okay. Maybe you could also bring in the opportunities with each challenge. So we'll see how we do here with the opportunities and the challenges. (laughs) Okay. So... I think one of the challenges that shows up when there's two different styles in a relationship, which I think often there is, 
is there's a misunderstanding of each other's needs. So at times I feel like I haven't fully appreciated or, or understood why you need certain things being an extrovert. And I feel like I've been misunderstood about why I need certain things. For example, one place that this shows up is around when we have an opportunity to go out to be at a social event, I often like to have an end time. <laughs> There's something about like, okay, we're going to start at this time and we're going to end at this time that helps settle my system versus like going into some widely open, unknown territory of we don't know what's going to happen or how long this is going to last kind of thing. I've gotten better, but it just settles me a little bit. And you, how would you describe how you like to do evenings? You've said it kind of before, but you basically do not want to end time most of the time. I think there's a part of me that feels kind of hemmed in by an end time. It makes a social moment feel more business-like to me because huh. all my business meetings have an end time. There's something that feels just a little bit like a, a sharp corner there that I, again, like part of me sees the wisdom in that and the need to, or the desire to support both of us to I mean, to care for you and your need, but also to care for my bigger picture need of, you know, balance and sleep and getting to bed at a reasonable hour and so on. There's definitely a part of me that would want to just be able to drink until I'm not thirsty anymore or eat until I'm full kind of is what it feels like. The extrovert consuming the social nutrient. It wasn't until um, we had dinner with another couple, some friends of ours, and one of the partners said something to the effect of using time really intentionally and having a like a start end and an end time basically. And I had been talking about this for years with you of like the reasons why I needed to have a start and end time. And then the, I think the way this person said it, you got something different from the way that he was saying it. And and at the dinner table, or what was it? Where were we? You said something like, oh my gosh, that is such a brilliant idea of having like an actual start time and an actual end time. And I was like, are you kidding me? I've been talking about this forever. So I think that you do see the wisdom in it, but I think, I think more authentically, you do like to feast until you're full kind of experience. Maybe you're an ambivalent, I think you're an ambivalent extrovert. <laughs> That's what you are. I definitely have an introverted side of me. I mean, I've spent for sure more than a year in in total in chunks in meditation retreats, both solitary and groups, silence and non-silence. But yeah, there's something about that idea of, okay, I need to bring a much higher level of presence and attention to this dinner from seven o'clock to exactly nine o'clock. That feels like I'm working more than I want to be working in a social moment. Like I get the wisdom of it. I get, I get the, yeah, it makes sense that you would want to practice bringing more presence to any part of your life. But the effort that it takes for me to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm elevating my presence here in this social experience. But actually what I really want to be doing is just having fun and laughing and saying the next thing on my mind and not being so thoughtful all the time, I guess, is what happens for me. Uh -huh. I don't know. It's interesting because in that kind of open wide, non-ending social time, I find it really awkward sometimes to just be like, okay, so I don't find it relaxing. I find it awkward to be like, is this conversation coming to a close with this person? Are we, did we extend our time? Is there something awkward going on right now that one of us doesn't want to be here? And then you 
mill around and you go to the next person and it's like, okay, well, what question now do I, that feels like work to me. Like what question now do I need to ask or are they going to ask me questions if I don't ask a question or what are we talking about? Or like, I don't know. I just, (laughs) that feels like work to me versus just being fully present and being like, I'm here and I'm showing up and I'm asking questions and I'm receiving questions and we're going to do this for a cut out period of time and we're going to go as fun as we want or as deep as we want or as silly as we want. (laughs) And then we're going to part our ways and nobody has to be an awkward moment of like, you know, we've had times when people have come over to our house and we're like three or four or more hours later and we're like, what the heck just happened there? (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't want that to sound a bad way, but like kind of reviewing the night and were we hijacked by a conversation that we didn't really want to be in? Were we bringing ourselves forward? Were we not? Like, there's just so many different social things happening at once that I pay attention to that exhaust me, I think. And I think that's part of maybe being a highly sensitive introvert because I'm tracking the nuance of like, what happens when somebody just dropped that bomb? How are people reacting? I'm paying attention to the context of it at an eagle eye versus just the content. Well, this is helpful to hear some of the nuances here. I I know some of this stuff about you, but there's a quality that's coming through today that I didn't actually know before, which is how much work it sounds like it is for you to be in a social experience, especially in a group. Right. I think that's the key here is that it feels like work for you to do something a little bit less time. And it feels like work for me to do something that's a little bit more time. Yeah. That feels like a really good learning. Yeah, because in an open-ended social experience, I'm not working actually at all. I don't feel that burden. I'm not tracking as hard as you are in the way that you just described. You know, how did that bomb drop impact other people? Like, it's a little, I don't know, it's interesting to notice about myself that I'm not paying so much attention. I don't have a concern about how that bomb just landed for this other person over there. You're not tracking the interpersonal field between people as much as I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I am curious about what you are tracking or what are you paying attention to? (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking for fun opportunities of connection and amplification of a particular theme or an idea that a content area that my friend brings forward or that they're interested in or sketching out the kind of preliminary aspects of some new idea or project or thing that could happen. You know, finding out that I'm not alone in my concerns about where we're going in this culture and on the planet and so on. Or hearing somebody, like the other day, we had some people over and I was talking about how concerned I am about this end of an empire thing with American dominance and world culture and how China's on the rise and going to take us over and we're going to be working for the Chinese in a few years and and all this. And he was like, well, did you know about this and this going on in Chinese economy? And I was like, no, I didn't know any of that. And it just kind of like neutralized this big paranoid concern that I had. Well, so are you saying that you're never in awkward situations of like, this conversation is going on too long, or I don't know what to say, or I don't know what to ask? Like somehow you're not aware of that. You're just kind of following the threads of what you're interested in. Sometimes I do feel like I get caught in a one-on-one situation that's going on for way too long, or I don't know why I'm still talking to this particular person, or, you know, how to gracefully end that interaction and move on. That happens, but it's not a big concern that I enter the space with of, Uh oh my gosh, I hope I don't end up 
stuck in something with somebody. Yeah. And to clarify, that's not how I feel either. For those of you who know us, who are listening, (laughs) 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 it's not what I'm saying either, just to be clear. I like to listen generously when I'm listening to somebody. I like to be really present with people and it just takes energy. And I'm not interested in kind of just halfway showing up. Well, the presence that you bring, for those of you listening who haven't had the privilege to be around Kristen person, is exquisite. It's incredible. And it makes perfect sense to me that it takes energy for you to deliver that level of listening and curiosity and care for the person in front of you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we can share some of the ways that we work with when there is a conflict. If one of us wants to have a bigger social experience, one of us has, wants to have a smaller social experience, how do we deal with that? And other impacts of being in relationship with somebody who identifies not like you. Sounds great. See you in a minute. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance. And now back to the episode. Welcome back, everyone. We would like to share with you some of the different ways that we've navigated this interpersonal style difference, extrovert, introvert, socialization. Specifically around end times. Yes. That's the one challenge that we've brought up so far. (laughs) So how have we dealt with that in the past? Well, we've tried different experiments, for one thing. We've tried the experiment of having no end time. We've tried the experiment of having an end time. And by the way, there have been times when I'm like, hey, I want to keep going. And you're like, I got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. So we can swing both ways. True. I think you were a little surprised when that happened the first time. I was. I was like, whoa, (laughs) my husband is turning into me. (laughs) What else have we tried to address that one? Well, I feel like actually probably with all of the challenges that come up for us, and especially social ones where we're out and about, our orientation is that we really like to arrive together and leave together. Like once in a while, we might take two separate cars somewhere. But in general, I think we like to arrive together and leave together. And I think it's just been a real negotiation without compromising ourselves. But like if we've talked about times like, hey, I want to stay for two hours and you're like, I want to stay for four hours. It's like, okay, well, maybe we stay for three hours. And if I can really be a full yes to that, what would that take for me to be a full yes to? And what would that take for you to be a full yes to? And we kind of work our way and there's negotiating pieces. One thing for me is if I feel like I'm in a group setting or at a party and I don't feel connected to you in some form, doesn't mean that we have to be physically together, but if I don't feel like we're tracking each other in some form, then it makes the experience a little bit harder for me. So I might say, okay, well, if we can commit to staying connected on some level, 
then I feel like that'll give me what I need to stay longer. And here's what that could look like, for example. Or you might say, what would you say in, in that negotiation? Well, I think we've also said, look, let's commit to being there for, in your example, to be there for two hours and then we'll put our heads together and decide what we're going to do next. If we're going to continue on or take off or one of us wants to take off or whatever. So, And actually, usually when we do that, we end up staying later. <laughs> so. That's true. I mean, I think that the biggest take home from this is staying in the conversation with each other and being kind and caring for one another and understanding that there are different needs, but that doesn't mean that compromise is going to be the answer all the time. And sometimes it's going to be, well, let's get you an Uber home and I'll stay or vice versa or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So just being open-minded and flexible. Right. I think where we can get into trouble is over-identifying with our position and projecting how it's going to go in advance and then living that experience because it's so positional in your mind, for example. Like, oh, I know I'm going to hate this. I know I'm going to hate this. That's not how I feel ever. I'm just using it as an example. If I'm entering a situation with that kind of mindset, then I'm probably not going to have a very good time. But if I open into, wow, there might be things that I don't know can happen there. And you and I have had to do some work with me prior to some events to be like, what are the opportunities at this social event that might be actually really interesting and fun? And so sometimes I just need to think through those things and have your support with that. I think that's such an important point is we can get so convinced that the belief system we have predicting how things are going to be, just reflecting on how that, how widely applicable that is in life, right? It's like, oh, it's going to be like this and we have no clue what it's going to be like. And right. But holding on to those filters throughout the actual experience can also really color what the things are that you bring home from the experience as well. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe I should try and identity as extrovert at the next social event we have and see what happens. Sure. That could be really fun, actually. I'll be the introvert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, what is wrong with Will? <laughs> I'll track what's happening for everyone else in the room. I just want to bring up another challenge about having the difference between us is that often social events, I think for you, you really walk away from the social events feeling seen and known by more people. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me as an introvert, and I don't know if other introverts out there, if you can relate, but it's a little bit harder to bring myself forward at times. Like when people ask, what do you do? Like I, I hate that question. <laughs> I don't know why. There's things that I can work with there. You know, you can give them the elevator pitch, like all this stuff that I just didn't like. Yeah. I don't love the question, but I think that maybe, this is a generalization, that extroverts actually love that kind of question because they get to s take the microphone and they get to like go at it. <laughs> <laughs> and so if that is the case, then you leave parties being and feeling like lit up and more seen and filled up. I think that's part of how this works. And I leave parties again, this is a generalization, not all the time, being not very known. And I mean, if I'm not bringing myself forward, I'm not going to be known, but less filled up because of that tendency. Would you agree with all this? Yeah. I never thought about this before, but and this might be a total tangent, but 
how would you describe your parents in this regard, in regards to introvert and extrovert? Like what, what were you learning? What were you observing? What were you seeing happen? What was the style that was kind of rewarded for you as a child? Well, I would say in general, don't say anything if you're not saying something nice. It's a really good question. I feel like maybe I was rewarded for not expressing as much. I could be totally wrong about that. What about you? Were you, yeah, you were rewarded for expressing. Yeah. Being the little performer. Yeah, definitely. My mom calls me her show pony, for example. (laughs) 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 But my parents were also, in their own ways, quite extroverted and, you know, liked to do funny things that provoked laughter or a joke or something like that. So I also saw my parents having fun being expressive or, you know, drawing attention to themselves. Right. My dad has a tendency for that too, which is really sweet. But as a couple, I think that we can walk away like from, let's say a group dinner of many people. Yeah. And (laughs) a conflict has come up with us before about, this isn't a very nice thing to say, but you hogging the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Guilty. Guilty as charged. I'm a mic auger for sure. (laughs) We use that term endearingly. Sure. Not being mad at each other. But where I get stuck is I can't quite find an opening to grab the mic and you find more openings than I do to grab the mic, for example. So it's like the conflict between us is, oh my God, that was so fun. That was so amazing. That dinner was awesome. And I leave feeling like I kind of just faded back into the wallpaper because of my introvert tendencies. And I think that this is actually is a common theme for couples that they face as well. And one way that we've worked with this, which I'm so grateful because it's helped a lot, is if we know this this might come up, we game plan it. And mm-hmm. you know, I need to really look forward to be like, okay, where might I get challenged at this next social event? And I'll come to you and I'll ask for your help with that. And you're amazing at helping, for example, ask me questions. Because I'm great with questions. You'll bring me into the conversation a little bit you'll turn towards me and talk about something about us. Like there's something that is really helpful for me inside of those experiences. So I want to say thank you. But there's ways that you can work as a couple to pregame what the person might need. In this case, what I as the introvert need. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad it's been impactful. I've learned from being in a relationship with you as an introvert that asking questions and Pulling you in and kind of drawing you out is a way to have people get the blessing of who you are and, you know, have you feel more known and everyone benefits from that. So I think that's a really great suggestion for the extroverts listening right now Mm. who are in relationship with an introvert. Give that a try, you know. Um, Next time you're in a group, invite your introverted partner to answer a question. That helps them feel more revealed, more known. Yes. And these are kind of extreme cases for me. I don't want to paint the picture of like I'm dysfunctional inside of a social circumstance. (laughs) Like I actually don't think I am. No, you're not. (laughs) I'm not dysfunctional, but I'm talking about extreme cases because those can be really challenging and hard. And so for those of you who are listening, we would so love to hear what are your challenges as if you're in a partnership where the person is a little bit opposite of you in terms of these styles and how do you deal with them? And for those of you who haven't really investigated this yet, I'm curious, I think I would just ask you, where do you feel like you or your partner gets stuck the most? And 
what if you brought a little bit more curiosity into how you can support each other versus maybe have filters about each other or make each other's styles wrong or something like that? Because I think working together, you can actually really have a very different experience. Yeah, let us know. We are very curious. (laughs) Yeah, we are very curious. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If this show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the Art of We.